You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So the the trade fervor has kicked up to an all-time high. I kind of feel like at this point I want to move on, but there's no question the number one thought on every Packer fan's mind right now is trading specifically for a wide receiver out of Texas. I got to be honest, I, f- I feel like it's kind of cool. It just, it just has a weird feel to it. Now, we'll see what happens when they don't actually make the trade. It <laughs> it's, might get a little dark when it doesn't end up happening. But just the amount of, I don't know, agreement? It seems like everybody's kind of on board with it. Um, I'm not all the way there. I'll, I'll put it in the... the th- these are usually my two categories. Occasionally, there's a firm yes, but usually it's a absolutely not, or a I wouldn't do it, I don't think it's prudent, but I would be excited. That's where I'm going to put Will Fuller. And I've had a lot of people message me over the last couple days um, specifically about this, as well as just seeing what other people are saying. First of all, let's start with the fact that um, the Houston Texans came forward and said, and and. and it, Please understand, everything comes with a grain of salt. I've heard a million different rumors about this and that and the other thing. I believe almost none of them, genuinely. I just, I don't believe hardly anything. Everything is secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand, right? I mean, so the thing that the Texans said is everybody's available except four guys. This is literally days after they said, no, 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 we're not, we're not having a sale. You know, the whole spiel about we believe in our team and... We're not tanking, we're not blah, 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 blah. Nonsense. First of all, or second of all, no, this is sort of a 1A. First of all, on that point, I don't understand, not that I expect the Texans to do anything smart. How do you as a team have a massive fire sale and don't include J.J. Watt in that list? J.J. Watt's old, man. He's not a part of a rebuild. 
He's also going to fetch you a massive return, despite the fact that he's clearly in the midst of a decline. He is the he would be the number one guy on my list to get rid of, unless that's a negotiating tactic. Oh no 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 you you can't have him. He's off limits. We would never depart with him to try to get people to come over the top, which again is why I don't believe anything anyone says. Because even if you can find a quote that is not um, a flat out lie, you got negotiating tactics mixed mixed in. But yeah, J.J. Watt, I mean, there's there's zero dead money. You trade J.J. Watt, you're saving $15.5 million this year, $17.5 million next year. You lose nothing, and who knows what you can get in return. And again, it's not that, even, even if you believe, well, he's got a little bit left in the tank. Dude, you, you're selling off your whole team. You think it's going to be, what, a one-year fix, and J.J. Watt's going to help you win a Super Bowl next year? It's going to take a while. J.J. Watt is like a really, really, really nice car that the engine is about to fall out of the bottom of. You bought it for like $80,000. You know, it's like, it's like a, let's call it 95 and say it's a Dodge Viper, because that's one of my favorites. Also just feels right, although it should be some kind of a truck. Whatever. Call it a Raptor, then. It's maybe only worth twenty grand right now. It's dropped from, you know, 55000 down to 20000 But you know... Something real bad's about to happen. Again, the the engine is about to rust out of the bottoms to the point where you literally can't sell it. You just got to donate the thing, or maybe give it up for a thousand bucks for scrap. Take the twenty thousand. Anyways, that's beside the point. Point is, the implication for Houston is that all of their wide receivers are uh, up for trade. They are available. Well, if we're looking at their um, offensive players. You've got Deshaun Watson, who's untouchable. This is in order of their grades. Laramie Tunsil, who's untouchable. Roderick Johnson, who's, you know, small sample size. Don't worry about it. Then Will Fuller, then Brandon Cooks. Those should be the top two targets that you'd be looking at. Randall Cobb, a lot of people want. He is actually grading out okay, but no. Now, first of all, everybody's talking about Will Fuller, but let's look at Brandon Cooks for just a moment um, because some people think that that's the guy we should be targeting. It is worth noting, of the rumors, and I don't know if any of them are true, but but I have not heard a single word about the Packers reaching out about Brandon Cooks. I've heard several times about the Packers reaching out about Will Fuller. Again, it, it's always possible that it's the agents that are leaking things, meaning maybe, maybe Brandon Cooks is keeping the lid on the fact that the Packers are aggressively pursuing him, and Will Fuller's agent is blasting it to everybody because they want to drive up the price. I, I don't know. Again, it's, it's so impossible to figure out what's actually going on behind the curtain, and whenever we get a peek, we got to wonder, is it real? Meaning we still don't really know. Um, both of these guys are actually pretty similar in terms of statistics. Uh, 427 yards for Brandon Cooks, 490 for Will Fuller. Fuller does have five touchdowns compared to Brandon Cooks, two. He's also definitely much more of a speed, uh, excuse me, a deep threat, despite uh, the fact that they're both very, very fast. 4-3-2 Will Fuller compared to 4-3-3 Brandon Cooks. They're both blazing fast football players. I think they're just utilized a little bit differently. Brandon Cooks isn't necessarily... Yeah, I know, dude. I know all about it. I understand. I'm short on time, which is why I could really, I would really appreciate you not interrupting me ever in your life. But uh, Will Fuller, 15.8 yards per reception. Brandon Cooks, 12.6. So I don't think you're going to get, what you're getting with Cooks is more of a volume receiver. What you're getting with Will Fuller is more of a deep threat. Although the receptions have been somewhat similar, but that's the general distinction that I have between the two. I know a lot of other people look at the fact that Brandon Cooks has had some monster seasons, whereas Will Fuller has not. Brandon Cooks, for example, from 2015 uh, through 2018, had over 1,000 yards, including uh, nearly 1,500 yards in 2018, and that was with three different teams. A couple issues that I have with Brandon Cooks. Number one, um, 
first of all, the amount of yards you get largely has to do with your position on the team. Will Fuller has been the number two guy behind one of the best wide receivers in football for a very long time. Uh, for the first time being basically the number one-ish, two-ish, or at least being close on that tier, um, and he's on pace for 1,100 yards. His highest season was 759 last year. You remove DeAndre Hopkins from the equation, he's on pace for 1,120 yards uh, just in the regular season. So I, I don't necessarily think we should look at it from that standpoint. I don't know if Brandon Cooks was a Houston Texan his entire career, if he ends up getting 1,400 yards when DeAndre Hopkins is on the team. I don't see that happening. The other thing that's interesting is the fact that um, Will Fuller somewhat, as far as his PFF grades, kind of broke out in 2018. He's never been bad since. He had an 81 overall grade then, a 75, and so far this year a 78 overall grade. Not only that, similar to kind of Jair, which I really, really like, and this is kind of something I look at with fantasy football as well. It's not just how good do you do, but how consistent are you? Are you one of those guys who, at the end of the year, you had a ton of ton of uh, stats, uh, grades, points, whatever, but 90% of those came in about five weeks? Or are you more of a consistent 14, 15-point guy every week? Will Fuller is a consistent guy. He did have two games where he didn't grade out very well. Number one was against Jair. The other was against Baltimore. I don't know exactly what happened out there, but zero targets, zero receptions, zero yards. Outside of of that, he's steady yet. He's 73, 74, 79, 76, 78. Those are his grades. Not on top of that, all 70s for his receiving grades, all 70s for his drop grades, all 70s for his fumble. I mean, it's just, it's all just green. You never see just all green, and it's a beautiful thing to see. And I like that as somebody who's looking for basically a number two compliment, especially a guy that's going to replace MVS, that's just going to be more of a, a, of a deep threat, speed threat kind of a guy, to just be a solid receiver. He's not going to take over the game, and he doesn't need to. We have Devontae, but we got somebody that can pull Rogers' eyes off of Devontae a little bit. You know, it's got to pique his interest because, listen, I, we're all annoyed with the force-feeding Devontae thing, but think about how scary it would be to be Aaron Rodgers. Think about the, the amount of panic you feel on a third and four. Just as a fan sitting on your couch, how scared you are. Imagine being Aaron Rodgers and thinking, I'm not looking anywhere but Devontae. Why in the world would I look over at what MVS is doing? Maybe he's open. I'm still not throwing it. I don't, you know, I there's the whole issue with gauging the speed and he doesn't know what he's doing. Is he going to even catch it? Devontae's got like an 80% chance of running this route and getting open. I'll take my chances just staring him down and throwing it. And sometimes it's bad and we get annoyed because he's not he's not open and it gets force-fed in there. It's almost picked and it's like, what is Rogers' problem? Well, that's his problem. But I want something that's going to pique his interest to where, maybe not necessarily on third and four. You want to stare at Devontae, I'm fine with that because Devontae's like an ace on third and four. He just, you can't miss. It's automatic for the most part. What are they 95% that connection? It's the same route every time, but just Devontae's too clean, man. But it's something to kind of pull his eyes away to where he's a little bit interested. I wonder what that Fuller guy is doing down the field there. Sure wouldn't mind a 40-yard strike down the field. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in favor of it. Uh, the other thing to consider is his contract, but basically it's, it's a blank slate. Um, if and when the Packers were to trade for Will Fuller, it would be a long-term deal. You're, there's no way we're giving up compensation for a half a year. That's not going to happen. This is going to be a long-term deal. And that's part of the issue as well. If they want to get Will Fuller, they not only have to negotiate with the Texans, they have to negotiate with Will Fuller. So not granted, there's probably a contingency baked in. In other words, you come up with a, an agreement with the Texans that is contingent on we can come up with a deal with Will Fuller, um, and you go from there. But this would be a new contract day one. 
Um, he's got one year left on his deal. It's a $10 million thing. The Packers don't want to pay $10 million now anyways. They would probably structure it the same way they have with other guys, where it's very little this year, very little next year, and then it blows up after that. Um, that sort of brings me to the other issues. Number one, the biggest problem I have with the Will Fuller trade is that it makes a lot more sense in 2020 than it does any other year. First of all, he is going to cost quite a bit of money. Even if it's 10, 11, 12 million, whatever, because he's not necessarily an elite number one getting 18, 19 million, it's still a good chunk of money, and we're already paying Devontae. And Devontae's going to be looking for a new contract. That's the other thing. It's not just a matter of, well, are we going to be able to pay um, Bakhtiari and Lindsley and whichever guys are on your wish list of keeping and, and not cutting? Are we going to be able to pull it off if we get Will Fuller? you got to remember, he's getting a contract beyond that, meaning he's going to be sucking up cap in the future. There's other guys looking for contracts. Do you know how big of a contract Jair Alexander is about to get? Do you understand the magnitude of what his contract is going to be? Do you think they're going to let Will Fuller get in the way of retaining Jair Alexander? No way. Jair, if he keeps this up, will be the highest paid corner in football. He's going to be breaking all kinds of records with that contract. And they're not about to have Will Fuller get in the way of that. Guys that are up for contract beyond the guys we're already aware of. David Bakhtiari, Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, Aaron Jones, Jamal, Tyler Irvin, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan, Montravius, Billy Wynn, Tyler Lancaster, James Burgess, uh, Perry Nickerson, Raven Green, Will Redmond, Kevin King. All these guys need a contract this year. And you guys forgot about a lot of those other guys, right? Well, it's just Bakhtiari. No, no, no. There's other guy. Tim Boyle. Are we going to pay Tim Boyle? Beyond all that, though, beyond that massive pile of guys looking for a contract now, after that, Devontae Adams in 2022. This is next year we got to look at this. And remember, we're going to be looking at this saying, how are we going to pay him? And we're going to see Will Fuller with a big old pile of money sitting there near the top, shaking our head going, oh, why do we do that? Devontae Adams looking for a big old contract. Equinemius, Devin Funches, Marquez also looking for money. Granted, I don't think any of them get paid. And in that case, we'll be happy that Fuller also has money. But then you got um, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Christian Kirksey, Oren Burks, Lucas Patrick, Rick Wagner, John Lovett, J.K. Scott, Hunter Bradley. A lot of guys. Now, granted, that's not quite as bad, but Devontae and Jair, big boy money. And Devontae's going to be tough because the the guy's going to be 30 years old when he needs a new contract. So he's, he's playing the best ball of his life. You know, he's going to be looking for a 20-plus million dollar a year contract, and the Packers are like, you're out of your mind. Maybe one year. I mean, that's a problem for another day, but it is a problem. So I, I don't want to forget about the fact, granted, we have to figure out what to do to pay the guys that need a contract today. But if we're signing Will Fuller to a multi-year contract, every single year of that contract, we have to look at the guys do contracts those years. So it's not just David Bakhtiari, it's Devante. It's not just Aaron Jones, it's Jair. Then the year after that, you got, you know, Zadarius Preston, Amos, Turner, Dean Lowry, Mason, Rashawn, Darnell, Elton, Jace. Certainly less of an issue, especially if Zadarius doesn't pick it up, then we can take those guys all off the book. But you get my point, right? You have to, if, if you're going to be the guy managing the contracts, and if you're GM Brian Gutekunst, you don't just have to look at this year. You have to look at the full length of the contract. Does that fit into our plans for the full length of the contract? You have to assume, you always have to be able to retain your best guys. Guys like Jair, 100,000%, you never put yourself in a position where you can't re-sign those guys, ever. As long as you can make it work, fine. And I think they will be able to. But also remember, the salary cap is literally a cap. The people that say it doesn't exist are wrong. It's basic mathematics. It's addition and subtraction. 
And it is a hard cap. There's no getting over it, under it, or around it. Every single player you put on there, you're taking another player off. And it's not just a one-to-one thing. Well, okay, we'll put him on. We'll take off this other guy that's a bum that's getting $500,000. No, no, you need to pull off you know, $10 million worth of player. There's only about five guys on the roster that have $10 million on any given team. So how many guys are not getting re-signed? Four for this one guy? Or are we getting rid of another superstar to keep this one guy? It's not a small flipping thing. And, and, and the fact that it's a wide receiver makes it even less likely that it happens. You're paying big boy money. You want it to be the quarterbacks, cornerbacks, tackles, pass rushers. You know, and we've already got a wide receiver. You're going to pay two Two of your highest paid guys are going to be wide receivers. That's a little bit iffy. Remember, we've been down that road before. That's the reason Jordy and Randall went bye-bye. We had a bunch of guys making tons of money. And and the 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 quote, and this was on Tom Grossi interviewing um, Mark Murphy, I believe it was, and, and his his essentially his quote was, I believe it was when they paid Devante, I'm forgetting now, they knew that Jordy was gone. Think about that. Think about the fact that they view things that way. You can't have too much money tied up in that position. They're not going to do that because it means too little money in other valuable positions. You can't survive doing stuff like that. Maybe for a short term, if you've got like a rookie quarterback or something, you can do some crazy stuff because you're massively under in another category. But they knew they were going to cut a player, not based on talent necessarily, but based on the finances. When we locked up this guy, this guy went bye-bye. We just knew that, that it wasn't going to work out, largely because they, they probably said, okay, we can only afford this, and we knew Jordy wouldn't take it. And that was that whole situation where they really, really lowballed him. Not to be rude, which, you know, again, it probably would have been better to just not offer him, but simply to say, look, this is all we can afford. Would you be willing to take it? And Jordy's like, that's insulting, and walked out. I mean, I made that, that scenario up. I'm not saying I know exactly what happened, but that's generally what happened. So that's, that's the issue. But, it, but the, the biggest and most important thing is the Packers are calling. So it kind of answers that whole question. That all just comes down to whether or not I'm comfortable with it. The Packers clearly are already comfortable with it, at least to some degree. Whether or not they'll find the right dollar figure or the right the, the right value for the Texans and then the right dollar, dollar filler figure for Will Fuller, I'm just tripping all over my own tongue here, that remains to be seen. And of course it's unlikely, because the Packers are simultaneously extremely aggressive and extremely prudent extremely prudish, if you will. I remember I used to, and people get so mad about this, I used to sell on on eBay. And so the whole point of selling on eBay is to find things that are underpriced, and then you sell them for an adequate price. And it it really, it it works out for everybody. People, People are so stupid about stuff. Oh, you're ripping people off. Why are you charging so much? I'm charging what it's worth. I bought it for less than what it's worth. Why are people selling it for less than what it's worth? Because they want it gone. I'm doing something for everybody. There's people that want stuff gone, and they want money. I provide them with money. I take away stuff. I'm willing to store the junk because I'm willing to turn a, because I'm going to turn a profit on it. Right? It, it just it's it works for everybody. And then the person that buys it gets it for a good price, something they probably wouldn't be able to find anywhere else. Because if you're going to count on being able to find some board game from 1942 sitting around in a uh, in a thrift store, you're going to be shopping there every day for the rest of your life and probably never see it. So it's win, 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 win. But the point is, sometimes, you know, you, you start actually looking for things. I know for a while I was doing uh, textbook. And usually students are very motivated to just get rid of their stuff. I need to get out of Madison. I need to get back home. I want some money. And so I would call and just tell them what it was worth for me to buy it. They wanted to charge what it was worth on Amazon. I'm not paying that. And so basically, I would just make tons and tons and tons of calls and messages and just 
offer a number because it was a certain margin that I needed, and it was it was pretty low. Um, and sometimes they say yes, usually they said no. But the point is, that was kind of me. I just basically talked to everybody and made a bunch of unreasonable offers, waiting for that one person to say, yeah, that's fine. You know, they're, they're selling them for 100 bucks each. I, I'd be like, hey, I'll take all five, but I'm, I'll pay you 100 bucks." And you, you hear no or don't answer or you're out of your mind or whatever a thousand times. But occasionally someone's like, yeah, fine, come take them. I need to get out of here. All right, I'm in my car right now. I feel like that's Brian Gutekunst. He's just calling up offering $100 for $500 worth of football player. Just waiting for one team to, you know, because you never know. Occasionally you get lucky and nobody's really interested in this guy or everybody's targeting somebody else or they just really need to move. For whatever weird reason, occasionally you just get a weird hit. Right, the Zadarius Smith thing. We got Zadarius because everybody else was punching themselves out on, you know, D Ford and Justin Houston and I think maybe Jadavian was floating around at the time. I and mean, there was just there was a ton of guys. And and outside of Edge Rusher too, you know, there were safeties available, which we were also in that market. Same thing with Amos. Everybody wanted Landon Collins. Everybody's fighting for Landon. Everybody wants this guy, this guy, this guy, and we got Amos. And so again, he's just throwing out these dollar figures and just waiting for somebody to say something. And so the the point is us finding out Brian Gutekunst called about somebody would be like somebody finding out that I called about books. Like, oh, he called about this book on, you know, artificial hearts or whatever kind of crazy book it was. He must be really interested in books on artificial hearts. It's like, no, dude, I just literally call about every single book because every book has value. And I just want to find, I want to be able to get it for less than it's worth. Because that's how I add value to my inventory. I give away $10, turn it into $40. That's what Brian Gutekunst wants to do to this roster. If you look at every single player as a dollar per value kind of proposition, MVS is a very low value to dollar ratio. And he wants to up that ratio. Because ultimately everybody has the same amount of dollars. So the point is you want to get a higher dollar to value ratio per player because then you have more value total on your team. Does that make sense? When you spend all your money, who has a more valuable team? I think over the cap or one of these uh, sites actually tracks that. I think they use PFF grades and also the dollar amount being spent, and they just say, what's your dollar per value ratio? Because that's ultimately what it comes down to. Now, granted, you got to go beyond that. I've already talked about how some PFF, some teams are pretty loaded as far as PFF is concerned, and they're trash. Some teams are, are not very good PFF-wise, but seem to find a way to win. There's, there's a mentality behind it. But at the end of the day, that's a separate equation. My job as the GM is to load this team with as much talent as possible. The, the coach's job is to find a way to make the talent go. So he's always just shopping to raise the talent level on the team. Always. No matter what. It's just a matter of, can I find the value, and does it work within our plan for the, the structure of our salary cap? And we can figure that out all, all, all that later. Right, work out a deal with Houston first, then talk to Fuller and his agent, and, and start that negotiation because that's also probably an eminent no. We'll give you eight million a year. I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> Look, man, we got to pay Devonte. We got a bunch. It's, it's all we can do. Uh, the the other issue I guess that I have is would be usage, um, and I, I talked about this before. If you're using two wide receivers. Um, if Will Fuller's the guy, then we're benching Alan Lazard, and the question becomes how much of a boost are we getting from Will Fuller over Alan Lazard, or we put Alan Lazard out there in two wide receivers because he understands the system better than Fuller, and now we got this guy that we just paid a bunch of money to sitting on the bench. Then the third issue would be, well, okay, think about the fact for long term, let's say we got him locked up for the next three years, he's going to help us down the road. The other issue I have with this is it's going to dissuade us from drafting a wide receiver. 
And I know a lot of people are fine with that because you, you if you're drafting a guy, you want him to just be as good as Will Fuller anyways. But it, it just worries me that we're spending so much money to fix a problem that we could probably get in the draft. There's a ton, it's, a, it's another stacked wide receiver group. On top of that, we got Funches coming back next year. We don't have to keep him around. But we, we basically, as I said, we prepaid for him. We paid for him this year, so we get him free next year. So we, we're going to keep him. We're going to play him. So now it's Devontae and Lazard and Funches and Fuller. We're not getting a wide receiver. We got Alan Lazard for a long time. We're probably going to have Devontae for a long time. We're apparently going to have Fuller for a long time. I mean, I, I guess it's good and bad. It's bad because you would rather remedy this in the draft and get a guy that's long-term and cheap and kind of helps fix that whole issue. On the other hand, it's good because you don't have to address it. You can go elsewhere. You can look at offensive tackle or somewhere along the offensive line, which is a big need in the first round. You look at defensive tackle. Whatever the case may be, you have that opportunity. And I can already tell this is going to be another no ad. This is a no ad Friday. I, I got to work something out, man. This is getting this is getting hairy. It's getting ugly with my, my time management here, but I guess I can't help when I oversleep. But again, to, to kind of recap and, and I guess summarize... It is nice to see everybody kind of in sync on this. And there's, there's to a varying degree, there's some people that are ecstatic and say we need to pull the trigger immediately. Other people are kind of a little bit more in my camp, which is, you know, depending on value, I don't know if I'm super in love with it, but I would be very excited to have a guy like Fuller on the team. And for good reason. I mean, I look, again, he, he's got, the, he, it's a speed, for how many years have we, we, we've been trying to get a speed guy on this team that's actually, we've had so many guys with so much speed on this team. Again, Janice and Davis and MVS, uh, EQ even is, is relatively fast. This is a guy with blazing speed. We're talking low four threes, but he's a good wide receiver. On top of that, let's keep things in context. Right now, Alan Lazard is graded out as the 62nd best wide receiver in football. Let me resort this a little bit because that's sorted by receiving grade. Um, 64th overall uh, receiver. Uh, Will Fuller right now is 19th so he's a top 20 wide receiver he's he's in a sense a low-end number one he's Allen Robinson Robbie Anderson Chris Godwin Brandon Cooks he's in that range Tyler Boyd that would be our number two I, I don't remember the last time we've had a number two that was this good last year overall he was ranked 26th again Low-end number one, high-end number two. Devontae was 10th, Will Fuller was 26th, Alan Lazard was 43rd. Alan Lazard is fine, but just think how much we all really love Alan Lazard and how much we really want him to be on this team and how much better this team is with him on compared to with him off. Night and day better than a guy like MVS, who's one of the worst in the NFL again. Will Fuller comes in and is an automatic upgrade over Lazard. He is to Alan Lazard what Alan Lazard is to MVS. He's not as good as Devontae, but he is a legit wide receiver. Last year, he was 26, which is in line with Calvin Ridley, Alshon Jeffrey, T.Y. Hilton. Um, trying to think of guys that people care about. Adam Thielen was 22nd. He was right in line with Adam Thielen. Jarvis Landry, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, in that range. Cooper Cup. That's the kind of guy. Alan Lazard, again, fine, but he's down in the Kenny Stills, Julian Edelman, Marvin Jones range. A real solid I mean, just just a it's a, a solid number two, like Marvin Jones. Like you're fine with him. You could certainly upgrade him, but you're it's not you're not going to complain about it. But Will Fuller is a guy that if he's your number one, you'd you'd like an upgrade. If he's your number two, you're super excited because he's a real legit number two. And as I said in 2018, he was he was really really solid. He was 17th overall. Um, Devontae was ninth. So I mean, they were they were pretty close in terms of of how you know 
2017 or 2018 Devontae Adams was pretty close to where Will Fuller is, but you got like Juju Smith-Schuster who was dominant then, Mike Williams, um, Stephon Diggs, Kenny Galladay. I mean, he was right in that range. That's the kind of guy that we're getting. And again, this is with um, Hopkins, but it's also without, right? You say, well, what happens when you get rid of a, a guy like with with Hopkins, what happens? He's just as good this year as he was the last two years, and on top of that, he's got Devontae on the other side. So there's still that level of of competence, and there's no decline in the quarterback play. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Deshaun Watson, and I'm a huge fan of, of Aaron Rodgers. They can both do the same job. There's no reason to believe it's going to be a big drop-off. The only question is, you know, scheme change or whatever's going to happen, but at the end of the day, a go-route's a go-route, a post-route's a post-route. I mean, there's some things he may have to pick up along the way, but, I mean, if he can handle how to run a route, at the end of the day, they can make it work. And just like everything else, you, you can build on things. You keep it simple to start, and you build on it. So, I mean, it's it's not a fix-all. It doesn't guarantee us a Super Bowl victory. It just makes the offense that much more scary. And and to say, and, and here's the other thing, because I'm, I'm on board with it, but I'm also not on board with it. You look at it and you say, okay, well, would this have helped us beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And you say, well, of course not. I mean, that's ridiculous to think. It... The problem with teams like Tampa and San Francisco, and there's no guarantee it fixes it, but what is ultimately the problem? The defense shuts out the offense so that they can't get into a rhythm, so that everything just starts to crumble from there. It starts off with the offense just can't find a way to get going. Adding another weapon makes it harder for the defense to completely shut this thing out. It gives them more opportunities to really hurt a defense. And so while it seems ridiculous to say, well, what is Will Fuller going to do, score 40 points by himself so you can win? That's kind of beside the point in a way. And there's no guarantee it helps them get into a rhythm, but it does help them get into a rhythm. If we're talking about a top 20 wide receiver, and let's say you got one really good lockdown corner or you want to double up Devontae to take him away, and you're doing a good job of getting to Rodgers, okay, but if we can get Will Fuller, Mr. 4-3-3, to get away from this guy in man coverage who's by himself, which, by the way, I don't know how how eager you're going to be to double cover a guy like Devontae to pull a safety down, because you can say that with MVS, well, he has speed too, yeah, but Will Fuller, remember, very good wide receiver. If we start attacking you deep and we got a guy that's a much better receiver that's not only getting open but is catching footballs down there and everything else, it's going to make you pause a bit. It's just another weapon to make sure that the offense doesn't stall out and stagnate, which is ultimately the problem in these big losses. The offense stalls out. They stagnate. They, they, they cannot get into a rhythm. And again, there's no guarantee, but it's just one little extra piece. Because what have we seen? Every time the Packers get going, it's because of one guy. Right, we beat the Vikings because of one guy, and it was Devontae. We beat the Lions because of Aaron. Jo- There's always one guy that steps up. Right, there was no Devontae for a couple of these, but we had other guys like Robert Tanyan and Alan Lazard and Aaron Jones that all independently stepped up. We have these other weapons that, when everybody else stagnates, they tend to step up and get this thing rolling. Will Fuller will be one more guy to make sure this thing keeps rolling. If Devontae's not not getting it done, or the offensive line isn't, we got to get the ball out quicker, we got to get the rhythm going. If we can just quick dump it off to Fuller and let him run off with it or whatever, it just makes it that much harder for a defense to come up with a game plan to completely shut things out. Again, it's not a guarantee, but it does help in that regard. And again, it's not about Will Fuller filling in the gap between the how much they scored and how much we scored by himself because that's impossible by itself. It's about getting the whole offense to get going. Once the whole offense gets moving 
It's a freight train, and it's hard to stop. And once you start feeding Fuller, they start shifting their defense, right? Because that was the the other thing. The defense dictates to the offense and gets the offense out of their game. We can't allow that to happen. we got to stick within our game, and if we can find a way to play our game and keep moving the ball down the field, get their defense out of their game, now we're moving. We couldn't get Tampa Bay to, to back off what they were doing. We had to back off what we were doing, and it was over at that point. So that would be the biggest appeal to a guy like Wolf Fuller. And, and again, it, it does make sense. As long as the Packers are okay with it, I'm okay with giving up some capital because, again, we're going to have them for a long time. It's going to be Will Fuller and Devontae and Lazard, which is going to be a fantastic trio. We're not going to be getting a guy in the draft, at least not early, I wouldn't assume. Not that we can't do it. In fact, that would be something the Packers would do is finally get a guy in the first round just to make Packer fans mad because now we don't need it, and that'll be the de facto replacement for Devontae, which is going to mean everybody's going to be extra, extra angry at it. But it will help in 2020 for sure. The biggest benefit, although he's not going to be cheap, is the fact that he's basically a blank slate. They can restructure his contract any way they want. They take the contract, they basically, well, they give him an extension, but it's more or less the same as just ripping it up and creating a whole new contract from scratch. They just have to include the original money, which they will. That'll be baked into the extension anyways. The bottom line is they're going to offer X amount of money in total, structured in such a way that I want. So the $10 million that we have to pay him this year, it goes bye-bye. That all gets moved to the back of the contract so that we can fit in whatever big contracts we have coming up. And again, it's going to be probably really low this year and next year, and then it starts to go up when presumably the salary cap overall starts to boom, and then we don't have to you know, feel like we're suffocating quite as much. Hopefully that's the case, because if, if this coronavirus thing keeps up and we're not allowed to have any fans or anything in the stands and revenue, it's, I don't know, I'm not going down that path, but you understand it's problematic. But anyways, that's really all I have time for. I'm, I'm already over time. Did not want this whole episode to be on Will Fuller, but, you know, here we are. Obviously, tomorrow we have to spend a lot of time on the Viking. Um, unless there is some kind of a trade or some kind of major news or something, it's it's just going to be about the Vikings tomorrow because it has to be. But we'll see what happens. I, I'm not expecting any kind of a trade, but that is generally my, my overall thought on it. It's also the, the biggest argument for a, a better number two wide receiver, just in general. And I have nothing against Alan Lazard, but it is important to keep that in mind. Alan Lazard is a great weapon. It makes it harder for defenses to kind of snuff us out entirely. It gets even harder if we have Will Fuller. So, anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a beautiful Friday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.